Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Attorney, advocate, author, public speaker, The Lisa Wexler Show. WICC 600 AM and 1073 FM. Flip that switch and turn on your brain. Here is Lisa Wexler. Hola, welcome back to the show. In a few minutes, we're going to chat with a representative from Sam Smart Approaches to Marijuana. And at 1130, I do hope that I'm going to hear from you for the kindness of strangers because we need to go out and usher in a wonderful weekend thinking about the goodness and the capability of people to do kind things for other people. 203-333-9422. And then I can tell my mom some of the stories because I'll be visiting with her over the weekend in Boca. She landed at rehab yesterday and uh, Jilly is there, my sister, and then we're going to switch and I'll be there and then my kids are going to be there, then I'm coming back. We're doing rotating, and a lot of this is not only for my mom, but for my dad, who has been basically keeping vigil by her bedside all the time. And vigil is the wrong word, because she really is up, and she's talking, and she's alive, but she has to learn how to walk again, and uh, yeah, all of that good stuff. But you know, daddy's not a a kid, and we got to watch over him too. 203-333-9422. Listen, I wanted to talk a little bit about this extraordinary person who has a history here in Connecticut and the trajectory from going to Yale Law School to being who he is. So his name is Stuart Rhodes. And Stuart Rhodes was just convicted, but the sentence has not come down yet. But he's just been convicted of sedition, which is an old-fashioned term for basically being a traitor to one's country, uh, in the uprising that happened on January 6th. There was a conspiracy trial. Some people were acquitted altogether. Others were acquitted of lesser charges and convicted of greater charges, and Stuart Rhodes was one of those. Stuart Rhodes is the founder of Oath Keepers, which you've probably heard about, and they're an organization that he started. Now... It's just an unlikely thing when you look at this guy to understand and and know that he went to Yale Law School. He went to Yale Law School. He enrolled at Yale Law School in 2001. At the time, he was a married father with young children. At the time, he was already a former Army paratrooper and a gun enthusiast. And he landed at Yale, which is, I would, I think it's fair to say, is not dominated by people with that background or, frankly, predilection politically. According to Eliza Fawcett, writing for the New York Times, Stuart Rhodes stood out among the roughly 200 students who enrolled at Yale in that fall of 2001. Gabriel Lowenkron, a lawyer in California and a member of Mr. Rhodes' class, was quoted as saying, we used to joke about who's going to be president, who's going to be a Supreme Court clerk. We never asked who was going to be the seditionist. Just five years after the law school graduation, so he didn't only attend, he, he attended and he graduated, 
Rhodes founded the Oath Keepers. So he founded it in, in what, about 2006, a far-right militia whose members believe that the federal government is poised to strip citizens of their rights and who vow to disobey what they consider to be unconstitutional orders. Prosecutors said that Rhodes and other members of his group plotted to storm the U.S. Capitol to prevent the transfer of power from Donald J. Trump to Joseph R. Biden, our current president, President Biden. And Mr. Rhodes and 10 other Oath Keepers and affiliates were accused of recruiting participants, organizing training in paramilitary combat, coordinating travel and logistics, bringing weapons to Washington, D.C. in the days leading up to January 6th. Now, Mr. Rhodes himself denied planning to attack the Capitol. He said the Oath Keepers were in Washington to protect the supporters of Mr. Trump. But it's a fascinating thing to see how you go from a student at Yale Law School to a defendant facing a charge he could land a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison. We have no idea what his sentence will be. If you think about Yale, it hasn't always produced liberals by any means, by any means. Uh, In fact, it's produced J.D. Vance, the Republican senator-elect from Ohio, graduated in 2013. Senator Josh Hawley, an incredibly notable conservative, a Republican from Missouri, was also at Yale Law School. Wasn't Brett Kavanaugh also at Yale Law School? He's a conservative jurist. He's now on the Supreme Court. Yale has so many people that are graduates that ended up on the Supreme Court. Anyway, it's a very interesting story of how Rhodes becomes Rhodes. Um, At Yale, he didn't yet have his characteristic goatee or eye patch. He was clean clean shaven. But he had come to Yale with a tremendous trauma. He had a self-inflicted gun accident that landed him with a prosthetic eye. And even after that, he was an avowed advocate of gun rights. He was described as having unconventional opinions and could seem unusually focused on gun rights. Some, however, remember him as a well-intentioned peer who worked to find common ground despite being in the political minority. Uh, It is said that the attacks of September 11, 2001 had a profound impact on him. And um, they happened when he was just starting law school. So he was started in September. Two weeks later in his torts class, he finds out about September 11th. Remember, he had already been in the military. So he had a very strong feeling of loyalty and patriotism for this country to have volunteered to be in the military before that. And... uh, Apparently, according to others, his extremist views had already begun to coalesce by the time he arrived on campus, but he was, quote, always hiding it. He said that the NRA was not aggressive enough in its defense of gun rights, and therefore he was not a member of the NRA. During one session for a class on the Bill of Rights, Mr. Rhodes unexpectedly began addressing the class on gun rights, And he passed out cartoon pamphlets from a fringe organization called Jews for the Preservation of Firearms Ownership. Uh, After law school, he clerked for an Arizona Supreme Court associate justice who was also a Vietnam War vet. He was also a vet. He then moved to Montana where he practiced criminal law but was ultimately disbarred by the state of Montana in 2015 for violating the Montana Rules of Professional Conduct after he practiced law in Arizona without having had a license and didn't show up for various hearings, leading to a lot of ethics complaints. Many people who went to law school with him struggled to make sense of who he became. Now, even though he was the head of the Oath Keepers, he himself did not enter the Capitol on January 6th, but nonetheless he was convicted. And the stamp of Yale Law appears to have mattered to him, On early Oath Keepers blogs, he frequently noted his credentials. This is Stuart Rhodes, founder of Oath Keepers, Army Airborne veteran and Yale Law graduate. In the meantime, his wife, he had three children. His wife divorced him. His wife um, has said repeatedly that uh, she wants nothing to do with him. She was happy that he was convicted because he has spent his lifetime uh, getting away with things for which he was not held accountable. So his wife was very happy that he was finally convicted, according to her own statements.
But, you know, it just bears pondering, doesn't it? How somebody becomes the way they are. 203-333-9422. We'll be right back. Lisa wants to hear from you. Call her at 203-333-9422. The Lisa Wexler Show is on WICC 600 AM and 107.3 FM. There are so many stories that are circulating now about today. Yesterday was one about the fact that people who run cannabis businesses can't find lawyers to represent them. There was a story this morning that Wilton isn't terribly happy that Norwalk has zoned uh, and allowing zoning for a recreational cannabis establishment very close to the border of Wilton when Wilton itself said they don't want it for now. A lot of towns in Connecticut are having to grapple with exactly how to deal with the public smoking of marijuana, the odor, and the possible secondary effect of of inhaling it, depending upon where you are in towns and beaches. Uh, Connecticut has basically flung the doors open wide towards the uh, recreational use of marijuana. The state wanted to make a buck, uh, like anything else it seems to want to do recently, and uh, also figuring out how certain people who are opening establishments to sell it can be considered to be equitable redresses of the past. So it's a big conversation. A lot is going on. I tell you all the time that I bring my own very specific knowledge of the negative impacts of cannabis abuse because of my other role uh, in the community as a probate judge, which has me uh, be the judge in commitment hearings where I see a lot of people with altered mental status. And so we've been paying a lot of attention as so many people are heralding this wonderful new world of being able to smoke pot everywhere. I'm not one of them. I'm not. And so joining us right now is Jordan Davidson. He is with Sam Smart Approaches to Marijuana. He joins us now. Hi, Jordan. Welcome to the show. Hey, Lisa. Thanks so much for having me. And I'm I'm grateful to be able to talk uh, about my home state of Connecticut. Is it your home state? Where did you grow up, Jordan? I grew up in in Weston and Westport and lived there for the first 18 years of my life. Oh, that's so cool. Then I would have been your judge. Are you voting now as a as a member of the Westport no. or Weston community? Are no, you? I, oh, wish I, I, I wish I still lived in Connecticut, but uh, I'm 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 down in Washington D.C. now. Okay. All right. Well, you'll come back. We're, we're waiting for you. So, so yeah. Jordan, tell me a little bit about your story. You still sound like a young man. What brought you to work for Smart for Sam for this organization? Yeah, I am. I'm I'm, I'm turning 22 this month. I'm a, a senior at American University in Washington oh. D.C. and and I lead federal affairs for for Smart Approaches to Marijuana and. My story really began, um, you know, a week ago. Uh, sorry, a week from now, four years ago, on December 9th, two thousand and eighteen, when I entered addiction recovery. Um, I struggled with marijuana addiction or a cannabis use disorder. I was smoking this high potency THC, this you know ninety nine percent THC supercharged marijuana that they're selling in legal markets and will be selling soon in Connecticut. And you know, the addiction rate of that has gone from about twenty years ago, one in ten, to one in three now. And that was the stuff I was smoking morning, noon, and night, and I got addicted to it. And so I went to rehab and went to 12-step programs and eventually got connected with Smart Approaches to Marijuana, where we fight against marijuana legalization and for health-first, kind of public safety-first marijuana policy. Let us let me go back a little bit. Um, how did you get hold? Obviously, legally, you were not allowed to get hold of this stuff. So how did you get hold of this stuff? Well, some of the people who actually dealt marijuana to me in high school, um, I know for a fact that some 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 of the source, um, the sources of where they got their marijuana was actually in legal states, um, in, oh. in states at the time. Like, uh, for example, because I, I I ended up I actually went to high I spent high school in New Hampshire, um, and I and, and some kids there went even into Maine where it was legal at the time to get marijuana and to bring it back in. And so that's kind of the stuff that I was selling and uh, sorry, not selling. I, I didn't sell. I, I was using. Um, and, uh, you know, it was these high potency THC vapes. And we're seeing those products on legal markets across the country right now. And it's really frightening because they're advertising them using fun flavors. And that's the kind of stuff that got me hooked. I started off with Juul. I'm sure everyone's familiar with Juul. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the mango flavored Juul pods or the mint flavored Juul pods, that's 
that's really the first substance that I used, and that introduced me to people who were using marijuana. So you were starting out vaping tobacco, and then you went from tobacco to marijuana, or were you vaping marijuana that was flavored? No, so I was so so I was vaping um, so nicotine vapes. So okay. like Juul, that's mm-hmm. what I started with when I was just, I think, a freshman in high school. And mm-hmm. then, you know, the, the, the people who are using those kinds of things are also oftentimes using other substances. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of the, the you know, times how kids get introduced to kind of, uh, you know, harder, more severe substances. And that's exactly what happened to me. My, my best friend at the time from Connecticut um, was using marijuana really, really heavily. And he was the one who introduced me to Jeweling. And then he was the one who introduced me to smoking marijuana. Okay, so I just want to posit the fact that we didn't have the legalization of all of this, notwithstanding that it was legal in other states, Jordan, and yet you still got it. So is the issue an issue of law or is it an issue of education and public policy? In other words, cigarettes are still legal, but we have succeeded more or less in society of making smoking tobacco something that is far less common than it used to be. So what do you think about that, Jordan? Well, Lisa, it's really a, it's really a combination of both of those things. So on the kind of cultural or, I guess, educational front, um, there's definitely a big role to play. You know, we've been normalizing um, marijuana use for, for years now. And that means that people, that young people, um, have a lower kind of uh, harm perception of marijuana. Mm-hmm. And we've done the opposite with cigarettes, as you mentioned, actually polling from Gallup just came out this week showing that young people are using marijuana at two times higher rates than cigarettes. And you can see culturally the way marijuana is perceived and the way cigarettes are perceived. Yeah, it's true. You're right. You're right. Yeah, I don't know what the hell we're doing. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. On, but on a legal front, there's certainly really, um, you know, frightening and concerning legal implications from 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 legalization. Um, the actually most comprehensive, uh, you know, analysis of 20 different studies using thousands of survey participants using national data about legalization's impact on young people came out this week. And what that study showed was that in states that legalize recreational marijuana, uses among young people increase. And also rates of cannabis use disorder increase, but treatment rates actually go down. So you have it kind of running in in opposite directions in the worst possible ways where more young people are using and they're getting addicted to it, but even fewer of them are seeking treatment for that addiction. And that's what's happening as a result of legalization. So Jordan Davidson, I want to ask you to tell us, because you're a great witness to this, uh, talk to us about addiction to marijuana. You know, there are people who believe that you can't get addicted to marijuana. Uh, I think they're wrong, but they believe that. And they are people that argue and carry on about why we should legalize this. And they minimize the possibility of getting addicted to marijuana. They say it's not an addictive substance. So tell me about that. Well, Lisa, they're just patently false. That's that's just you know misinformation. Um, the National Institute on Drug Abuse has an entire page about marijuana addiction. It's also a myth that marijuana isn't physically addictive. It certainly is physically addictive. You know, I'm not I'm not a scientist, but you know from what I've learned from really from experts, your endocannabinoid system. It's a system in your body that gives you pleasure. It, you, know, you derive pleasure from your endocannabinoid system. And marijuana basically supercharges that system by sending potent cannabinoids to it. And it basically burns it out. And you're not able to receive the kind of pleasure from your endocannabinoid system as you would normally from natural everyday activities without using marijuana. And that can cause things like withdrawal. And so marijuana certainly is addictive. And they say psychologically addictive. You know, anything can be addictive. People right. say it's just a plant. Uh, Heroin's made from poppy. That's just mm-hmm. a plant. Uh, and there are 14 million Americans with cannabis use disorder. And the final point on this kind of addiction issue is, you know, these the people who talk about marijuana not being addictive, I was one of them when I was using marijuana, have been sold a lie from people who are great at marketing the fact uh, that products they're selling aren't addictive. When Canada legalized marijuana, basically the day that they did, Altria, the parent company of Marlboro, the big tobacco company, invested $2 billion in the industry. Constellation brand, the parent company of Fedka Vodka and Corona Beer, invested $4 billion. The former CEO of Purdue Pharma that manufactured and sold Oxycontin now owns a marijuana company. 
big pharma, big tobacco, big alcohol. These are the industries most heavily invested in marijuana. And they've done a great job for the past 100 years convincing people that their products aren't addictive either. Yeah, that's true, Jordan Davidson. You really make a very eloquent spokesperson. Tell me a little bit about what an addiction to marijuana did in terms of, to you personally, in terms of your habits, your motivation, what was it like going through the world, your decision-making? How did it have an impact on you? You know, I say that the biggest impact it had was just fundamentally altering my personality and the person that I was. I woke up one day and looked at myself in the mirror after a long time using marijuana, and I didn't recognize the person who was looking back at me. Um, I often say that I didn't believe, and I didn't at the time, I didn't believe that people had souls, that we were spiritual beings until I realized that I lost mine to using marijuana. That's really the biggest impact that that had on me. And I, I struggled, and you know, I was I was slipping in my classes. I was um, really the, the one of the other bigger impacts was retreating from my family and friends. Mm-hmm. I began began to isolate. I didn't hang out with the people I was hanging out with as much. My best friends noticed that I was withdrawing. My girlfriend at the time told me, you know, it's either me or the marijuana. You have to make a decision because I'm tired of being playing second fiddle to you using substances. And um, fortunately for me, I had a support system and that kind of really (laughs) knocked me in the head and told me, Jordan, what are you doing? Um, Kind of see how you're impacting your life. And uh, I woke up one day and decided to listen. Yeah. And what kind of rehab did you enter, Jordan? What, What kind of rehab is there available for people who are addicted to marijuana? Yeah, so I went to a rehab facility in Connecticut. Um, and I went to an outpatient program. For me, it was a 30-day outpatient program. Um, that means I went a few days a week, um, basically spent my 18th birthday in, in a rehab facility. I, 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 I got sober two weeks before my birthday. Um, and it, I also went to Narcotics Anonymous meetings. Basically, every day I did what they call a 90 and 90, which is going to 90 meetings in 90 days. And those two things were really helpful for me and supportive for me. And it really depends on kind of the scale of someone's problem. Um, There's a lot of really good resources. I I highly recommend 12-step programs to people like Alcoholics or Narcotics Anonymous. But for, you know, uh, things like therapy or or rehab, you know, if if someone has a really severe problem, they offer inpatient rehab, uh, you know, facilities where you can actually live at a facility and and outpatient programs where you can just go a few days a week Um, and, you know, Unfortunately, uh, another big problem we have in, this, in, in, in our country is, is that not everyone has the insurance to be the able money. to, to, to you know, adequately pay for that. It's money. Yeah, it's a big piece. Um, yeah, it's a big piece of it. So it's really expensive, and, and you know, that's something that certainly needs to, to, to be improved. But there are a lot of resources out there for people. Do you um, believe that – well, let me ask, first of all, are you at liberty to tell us where – in Connecticut, you did inpatient so that people listening who are thinking that they might have the same problem could call? Yeah, I, so, I, so the, I went to um, – so where I went in Connecticut uh, was – oh, God, why am I now blinking on the name? I think it was Silver Hill Hospital. Yeah, Silver okay. Hill Hospital. Okay. That's, yeah, that's I where I went well. in Connecticut. Yep. Yeah, and they're, and they're very, very good. Okay, I'm so yep. glad that they helped you. I'm so glad that they helped yes. you. Your, your parents must be so, and your family must be so delighted and relieved. Do you think for you the kind of addiction that you had to marijuana is something where you need to stay away from it the rest of your life, period, or you could enjoy it once in a while socially without becoming addicted again? No, you know, so it's something that I'm going to stay away from for the rest of my life. I made a decision on December 9th, 2018, to quit all substances. That includes uh, tobacco, that includes marijuana, that includes mm. alcohol, that includes everything. Because, you know, marijuana just happened to be my drug of choice. But I'm someone who has the disease of addiction. and I have an addictive personality. And, um, you know, I am not able to just take one drink. And it's something that is, you know, runs, runs in families. It's at mm-hmm. some point is, is hereditary. My mom got sober at the age of 19. My mom's been sober for almost 40 years. Um, And, uh, and, you know, my grandfather got sober in the last six years of his life. My great grandmother Mm. never got sober. Mm. Um, So things can improve over time, uh, clearly, but uh, it it really has run through my family. And my mom has lived an amazing life and has lived a successful and happy life, completely sober from all substances. Um, And she's uh, been, you know, been able to do that because of that sobriety. 
Yeah. Wow. Okay, Jordan. I'm so happy to hear your voice. I think it's really important that there be a young voice in this conversation, Jordan. I think that the voices about marijuana um, have to come from the young people. When I saw a statistic last year that floored me, it showed in a survey of high schoolers that the majority of high schoolers in this country felt that marijuana wasn't as dangerous as cigarettes. And the thing is yeah. that it's that, you know, the thing about cigarettes is it, it, they cause cancer and, and nobody should smoke. And we all know that. But nobody ever like lost. Mo- Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Motivation didn't have a job, you know, because they smoke cigarettes. In other words, cigarettes is its own thing, but marijuana, to me, to me, because it is a psychoactive drug, because it does make you out of it, is far more damaging to somebody's entire life's potential. And to see that high schoolers believed that cigarettes were more dangerous than pot, I I was just stunned and very saddened by that, because it means that there's a very successful lobbying effort going on to fool our our kids. They're fooling them. You're You're totally right. I mean, you know, cigarettes are certainly very dangerous substances and people, you know, people shouldn't be using those either. But the same goes for marijuana. Marijuana is a, is, a, is a completely kind of different substance in many ways. And our young people shouldn't be using it. It's something that especially, especially under the age of 25, when your brain isn't fully developed, um, then we know that it can have really catastrophic consequences. We're seeing things like um, over, over time, eight points and IQ drop for chronic marijuana use. Um, you know, really uh, you know, lower performances in school, a lot of problems that are going to affect our young people. And, you know, my generation can't afford this. Uh, we can't afford to sleep at the wheel. And, and you know, we, we need healthy and, and happy people. And, and marijuana and legalization just is not going to promote that. Thank you very much, Jordan Davidson, for being with us from Sam Smart Approaches to Marijuana. We wish you great success in this endeavor, finishing up college, all those good things. Uh, can't wait to see you back in Connecticut, in my own district, in my own neighborhood. Yes. And maybe you'll come and address us one morning at Kiwanis on a Saturday morning in Weston. I bet the people would love to hear you speak. I'd love that. I'd love that. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Lisa. Thank you so much, Jordan Davidson on the Lisa Wexler Show. We're going to be right back where, we, we, where I am relying on you to tell me a story of the kindness of strangers at 203-333-9422. We'll be right back. Where Norwalk comes first for news and talk. The Lisa Wexler Show on WICC 600 AM and 107.3 FM. And welcome back to the show. Eric, do we have our little intro for the kindness of strangers? Have you got it up on the board? Let me know if you've got it. We, like a, we have a, like sort of a nice intro because every Friday around this time, you got it? All right, let's In play it. One act of kindness in public will affect everyone around you. I've always depended on the kindness of strangers. 
And welcome back to the show, 203-333-9422. Eric is watching our board today. And if you've got a story that you want to share, now is the time to do it. Uh, this is a time where every week, and we didn't do it last week because it was Thanksgiving, but maybe Thanksgiving brings to mind a story that you would like to share about when you witness somebody being kind to someone else, uh, a charitable act of some kind that was a small one that may have affected you in a way that made you feel like, you know what, there is the capacity. We do have the capacity to do good things. Yesterday, um, I ran into Ken Bernard, and he was reminding me that he was on his way back upstairs in Westport Town Hall to gather Souls for Souls, which is where people donate their old shoes, and then they are sent on to people who need shoes. And he does that. And he says that a lot of times people are encouraged to either tie the laces together or put a rubber band around them if they're sandals. And um, some people forget to do that. So he spends 6 o'clock in the evening uh, sorting shoes and tying shoes and doing that. And that's a very kind thing to do, right? I mean, that's a very kind, charitable act, not merely to donate the shoes, but to see that the shoes go on to people who need shoes. Uh, Souls for Souls, it's called. And there are so many different charitable endeavors that are going on right now. And after all, really, what is charity? Charity is, is just that, the kindness of strangers. That's what charity is, right? That, that, that's, that's us saying, you know what? We all share a common humanity. And in our common humanity, we have an obligation to reach out to other people who we don't know, who life doesn't force us to support or care about, but we say that we ourselves are lucky enough and have enough abundance in our life that we can spare a little extra time, money, whatever it is, expertise, to go and contribute to the world in the way that we can contribute. And after all, what are we doing? We're contributing most of the time to people that we don't know, to people that we don't know. So that is the kindness of strangers. But our segment on Fridays, we like to tell stories. And if you've got a story that you want to share today, that's really what it's about on our Friday mornings, 203-333-9422. You can call me at 203-333-9422, and you can tell me a kindness of stranger stories. Eric is watching the phone lines. We'd love to have you on to talk about something kind. And if we can't think of anything kind, I'm going to be forced to talk about the news, which is usually less than. I'll try and find a good story here, but I don't know. It's a little bit hard. The news being what the news is. You know, I've always said to myself, that's how newspapers sell, right? Their headlines are rarely, oh, somebody donated a loaf of bread to somebody else today. It doesn't usually work that way. Nobody wants to buy that paper. They want to buy the paper to hear about the icky stuff. And so, unfortunately, that's what we end up focusing on. But let's go to Sharon in Essex. Sharon, thanks for calling this morning. What kind of a story can you share with us? Well, I was brought up by my dad and my mom who didn't believe in you don't go to church and show. You go to the neighbor who's older and you show driveway when the snow hits. You don't look for praise and you don't look for anything else. So that's how I was brought up. But my kindness story is um, I was doing training in, of all places, um, California. And I was in a rather fancy area, and I'm going blank on which one it is. But I left the shopping mall and then the fruit stands that were outside of it, and I had just bought this gorgeous fruit. And as I'm walking down the lane, I see this poor homeless guy who is literally digging through the garbage very quietly, not begging, not looking at anybody. So I handed him my fruit and said, here, I think you might like this, which didn't hurt me at all. But what blew my mind was the lady that was walking behind me Gucci'd out to the nines who went, well, I guess you've done your good deed for the day. Oh. And I thought, how pitiful you are it 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 is it 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 wasn't for my soul it wasn't for her soul but 
you know, the hard part about doing a good thing is you may be snotted at for it. And all you can do is, like my southern mother would say, would think, well, bless your heart, mm-hmm. which is <laughs> not really a compliment. Right, right. <laughs> That's the last thing you want to hear from a southern lady. But um, So, you know, that is really interesting. Do you think that this woman behind you, was feeling very threatened and insecure because that's what it sounds like. I think it's the fact that I don't live there. I know uh, I was in, oh, God, where the heck was it? Uh, Very expensive place in California. You're right on the edge of the precipice and right, and I'm going blank on it again because it just doesn't matter. Um, But there were a lot of bums there as I was walking around. There was a definitive homeless population and it's this town that's just down from venice beach and if you bike to venice beach they have taken over the beach and they have taken over all of the little areas that were meant to have a picnic that it's just become like a a standard homeless shelter and people smoking pot everywhere so she probably doesn't appreciate it i see ah okay But this guy wasn't begging. He wasn't doing anything. He was skinny as hell. He was just looking for food. And I'm like, and he, he, he didn't say anything to me. I didn't stay long enough, but he just looked up totally surprised that he wasn't invisible. Wow. And you know something, this is really Sharon, isn't this some, sometimes the issue of the starfish on the beach versus like policy so, you know, I've been in your situation a lot. and I don't I, understand that. What do you mean starfish so on the beach? So what I mean by that is that, what I mean by that is that uh, there's an old story about a beach in which all the starfish are dying. And a person walks on the beach and they pick up a starfish and they put the starfish back in the water and they save the starfish's life. And the person says, well... What are you doing? I mean, you're not solving the problem. The problem is that all the starfish are dying. And the person says, yeah, but I solved the problem for that starfish. That starfish will live. Uh, Right? Yeah. I think the biggest problem with homelessness is a lot of the homelessness there is mental health issues. So doing something nice for somebody who's homeless, you could end up with the one that takes it as a threat and you can get hurt. For me, that was something quick I could do. It came out of just an instant, and it's instinct for me. So the funniest, the other funny story I have is where I used to live in Pennsylvania, there were a lot of older people around me, and I was in my 40s. And my next-door neighbor, Shirley, couldn't get around well. So when it snowed, I'd go over and I would shovel her driveway. Mm -hmm. She didn't know how to handle it. She didn't want me to. She was like, now I have to give you something back. So I ended up getting a poinsettia plant that I just said, next time, just give me the poinsettia plant back. We'll we'll take this as our back and forth gift. The darn poinsettia plant died, but we passed it back and forth in a stupid little thing. So miss her. Miss her greatly. But yeah, it doesn't take a minute. And it's not something you should stop and look for praise for. And and I think the biggest difference was I was brought up not in the Instagram generation. I don't need a picture of it. I don't need to virtue signal. I don't mm-hmm. do virtue signal. I, I don't do flags. I don't do any of that BS. Just keep your head down, and you'll see somebody who needs something. And you know, sometimes it not going to be appreciated and that's that's just all there is to it but you know what sharon i also think that character is what happens when nobody is looking right so yeah so you were raised with the right value because i was also raised i was raised with the value that god is everywhere right god is nowhere god is everywhere in other words god is nowhere specifically there's no i was raised that god isn't up in the heaven that god is everywhere god is all around us and so in my faith it was always like Okay, if God is all around me, then God is also watching me and judging me and uh, 
God is yep. there when no one is looking, right? So nobody else needs to see if you're going to cheat on an exam. You know you've cheated. God knows you've cheated if you believe in God and you've cheated. And if you're going to do something nice for someone, you don't need any praise because it's all about the gesture of doing it, right? It, that's what it's about. Yeah, and you, I think you have to watch who you're giving things to because it's a matter of like, – I traveled in Europe a lot, and they – the gypsies, especially in Greece, have got the skinniest, scrawniest, sweetest little girl begging for food. So I gave the girl my lunch. She didn't eat it. She waved at me from the bus. Her mother, father, and brother show up, grab it, yell at her, oh, take no. food out of it, throw the rest on the ground. Oh, no. Yeah. It, it is weird. It doesn't mean you shouldn't try. I know. But it's. You know, well, you know, it's one of those things. Here's what the thing is whenever that happens, the no good deed goes unpunished. My father, I'm always quoting my dad, and he always says to me, Lisa, never be less than who you are. This is true. This is true. But just don't be fooled more than once. No, but you 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 give somebody something, and then they're like, well, I want more. Or they, Mm. they literally. Start to become a well. You're supposed to do this for me all the time, and the first time you ask them for help, they're nowhere to be found, or they say, oh, "I can't be bothered to do that." Mm, it's just wow. like mental note. Mental note. I'm done helping. Sharon, <laughs> thanks for the call. Thank you very much. Thanks for contributing today from Essex. I love Essex. What a beautiful town. Uh, We'll be right back with more of the Lisa Wexler Show, 203-333-9422. I'd love to hear a kindness of strangers story from you if you've got one today. We'll be right back. From Norwalk to New Canaan, from Monroe to Milford, Fairfield County listens to the Lisa Wexler Show on WICC 600 AM and 107.3 FM. We are launching into a weekend, and we are still talking the kindness of strangers. Jan from Stratford, welcome to the show, and thanks for holding. Hello. Hello. I'm calling. I had the opposite experience than your previous caller. So this happened a few days or a couple of days before Thanksgiving. I found myself needing one more thing to contribute to the Thanksgiving dinner, And I did not want to deal with the big grocery store, but I went to a very popular, and I don't think I can mention the name of the store, could I? You could do whatever you want, of course. Why not? Yeah. Well, I found myself at Trader Joe's. Okay. A day or two before Thanksgiving. Big mistake. Couldn't find a parking space. Mm. Finally got one. Went in for this one item, and I couldn't find it, and I asked the, the staff person, and they said, oh, it was fennel. You can't find it because there's only one package left. So I, she pointed to it. I grabbed it off the shelf. And this young woman looked at me and said, where did you find the fennel? And I said, I got the last one. I looked down. She had a little baby tied around her chest and another holding the, the child's hand. Well, I said, here's the fennel. Take it. And you think that I did, gave her a $100 bill. So I'm Aww. walking away to leave the store, and I hear her telling everyone around her, can you believe what this woman just did? And she's sharing it. And I'm thinking, God, is this really what's going on in our world? That something so small, something so little, would affect someone in that way. I mean, there's just not enough small little things that we could do for each other. It's just we're not reaching out enough. That In other words, the, de- the, default, the default setting is more like, let's be selfish, every person for themselves, yeah. uh, not really deci- you know, thinking about, do you need it more than somebody else? Me, me, right. me, 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 so that when somebody goes off the me button, it's so startlingly wonderful that she couldn't get over it. Exactly, and that... What I, I just drove away from that experience, thinking, "What's happening in this world?" What is so, happening? anyway, wow. didn't call well, the. It was nice of you to do. It was nice of you to do, Jan. Of course, it was yeah. nice of you to do. But, but it, what I'm hearing is the impact on you. It sort of rocked you. It rocked you yes. a little bit. 
Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we should look around and be more conscious. And it's not like we have to go out and do these enormous contributions. You could just do something small and just be more aware of your surroundings and the people in your life or not in your life. Just look for the opportunities maybe to to reach out and make a difference in a very small way. I, I we need agree more with you. of that. Listen, and I Jan, didn't think we did. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in noticing. It's one of my common themes as a broadcaster. It's one of the things I preach as a mantra that I really believe we need to be noticing. And that's what you're talking about. Open your eyes. See what's around you. Is somebody strapping around two kids and trying to get ready for Thanksgiving and looking for the missing ingredient for the recipe that she really wants to make for her family and it's more important to her than it is to you? Then give her the fennel. What's the big deal? Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad you're a noticer. Welcome to the Observers <laughs> Club, Jan, and thank you very yeah. much for calling okay. in today. And have a great have a weekend. Have a nice weekend. Thank yes. you. Bye-bye. Thank you. You too. 203-333-9422. You know, we're launching into, I don't know if you've already started, uh, but it's something that I tend to do right around now, which is thinking about Christmas presents, Hanukkah presents. Hanukkah this year starts in the week before Christmas, so... I think the 18th, 19th, around that time, that's when Maya Cookie is having our Hanukkah party. And um, and I'm thinking about what I'm going to be choosing and where I'm going to be going shopping. And I always get, I always feel very stressful <laughs> about this. I don't know if you do, but I always feel stressful because I want to get a gift that is um, a gift that the other person will like. But half of the time I sort of give up because I don't know anymore what anybody likes. And I'm a little bit wrung out about where to go shopping for things because it doesn't seem like we have the same kind of selection unless we go online. And online, to me, is also very stressful because I feel like I, I'm not getting the right presentation of what it is I'm supposedly buying. Some people are very gifted online shoppers. I'm not one of them. But in any event, we're launching into it, and I'm thinking about that as I'm thinking about kindness, not necessarily strangers, but we're in the gift-giving season, and so I think we're going to talk about that a little bit more next week, and you can give me some hints about places and thoughts about gifts. I I think, personally, it can be very stressful. 203-333-9422 is our number. We're, We're coming up. From uh, We've got Dave Ramsey on from 12 to 2. He'll talk about money and money situations with you. And then, of course, Paul Paselli on from 2 to 6. And by the way, starting from about 6 to 8, uh, on WICC, we do this wonderful feature from 6 to 6.30. If you're on your way back from work and you're still listening you know, in the car or at your kitchen table or wherever it is you listen to WICC, you'll notice that we – that we that we play News 8. And then after that, we do half-hour segments of the best of Paul and Melissa and me as well. We'll go to one more call. Susan. Hi, Susan. Welcome. Hi. How are you, Lisa? I'm great. You got a story for us? Um, it's not a story. I just, I'm just listening to your program here, and I was thinking that uh, reminded me of a uh, quote from Mother Teresa, and it's basically, you know, we cannot do, we, we can't all do great things, but we can do little things with great love. Oh, that's a beautiful quote. I love that quote. <laughs> just a little thought, and uh, first-time listener, I just uh, thought your program, we need this kind of thing. <laughs> Well, we try. Anyway, thank you so much for for your program. Thank you, Susan. I hope you'll listen again. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, that's right. We can do little things with great love. Isn't that a great message to send ourselves out on on a Friday for the weekend? We've got two days to do it before we go back into our weekly grind. In the meantime, I'm winging my way to Boca. I'm going to go see my mom. I want to thank you for uh, coming onto social media, either the Lisa Wexler show or our Instagram or as a friend 
on Facebook to me. That's those are the places I post so far, um, and I've been giving you little pictures and snippets, but nothing since the stroke because because I don't think mommy would want me to yet. I'm gonna have to ask her. Uh, she's she's pretty raw. She's pretty. She's in tough shape, but we have a good prognosis. She got to rehab yesterday afternoon, and I'll be there with her tomorrow and Sunday, and then I'll come back again midweek, and we'll just we'll just keep helping mommy climb up the mountain. Uh, I want to wish you a fantastic weekend, a great one. I'll be back behind the mic on Monday. Thank you, Eric, for subbing in for Andrew today and producing the show. Thank you to Melissa Chessman, our general producer. And if you need to find me, I'm at Lisa at LisaWexler.com or through WICC600.com. Have a great one. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com.